Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric Robinson and Gina Robinson. We are continuing our walk through 2 Kings, or really all of Kings, as we've been going through it. Now we've reached, um, you know, not quite midway, but getting close, very close, uh, to the midway point of 2 Kings. So we're really getting somewhere, I feel like, finally. Yeah. <laughs> and we go we go kind of slow, but we get our, we make our way, and I think I feel like um, we've reached, hopefully you We've reached the it. final stretch here where we're going to hear about some kings of Judah. Mm-hmm. Well, which, we will be getting into that, yes. Yeah, and we we're going to do really, it today a little yeah. bit, but yeah. Um, and yeah, we... Uh, in a little bit more depth. Wind up focusing so much on kings of Israel, like mm-hmm. Gina's saying, and then... Uh, maybe sometimes we lose sight of the kings of Judah and what's going on, especially as we're reading through kings. If you read the Chronicles, it'll be exact opposite. They don't even care about northern kings in Chronicles. But here in Kings, there's a lot of emphasis on the north. But today we're going to uh, stay with the south for a little bit, which is where we were last time. We were watching as Athaliah was queen, the only queen of the south, the it's only queen of north or south. Uh, who has the throne all to herself, and she does for about seven years, six years. Um, and in the seventh year is when, well, as we're going to read today, Jehoash, this child who managed to escape her killing spree of all the children that she had to kill in order to keep the throne when her son died. He she, didn't really manage, but somebody hit him. Somebody yeah. did it right. for him. And so he has now grown up some, a little bit, over the last few years. He's only seven years old. But he's going to come to the throne. And so now we're going to, we're wondering how this is going to go. But we know we need somebody else besides this woman who is who has been so, such a Baal worshiper, such a, you know, an evil influence for the South. So where we talk about Jezebel in the North. This is what Athaliah is for the south, is what Jezebel was for the north, right. really pulling in all the Baal worship, all the Asherah worship she could. Jehoiada, who is this faithful priest, as we saw in the last chapter, really kind of stepped up, came forward, got rid of her, came up with a plan. Now he's the one who has brought Joash to the fore. Joash, we're very happy about because he has he's connected to the line of David. And so we're very hopeful that we'll see good things come. Feels like maybe things have been righted again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's hard to imagine a seven-year-old on the throne. Yep. Uh, Thank goodness he has Jehoiada. But But it was something that would happen in the ancient world from time to time. It would happen in ancient Egypt at times where you'd have little boys uh, who would come to the throne because their fathers would be killed, but they're in the line. And so, you know, they're surrounded by good advisors and um, brought it away. Well, that's what we're having here because Jehoiada, or Jehoiada, is the primary advisor of this young man, and it's as we'll read. It right. seems that as long as he is there, things are going to go fairly well. Right. So we'll we'll take a look at that. Yeah, these time while he has been growing up has been in. The house of the Lord as he's been hidden away. So that also gives us hope because there's something symbolic about that. We're hopeful that that also means he is... Kind of takes us back to Samuel. Yeah, maybe he's kind of Samuel. He's a young boy, but he spends all his time with God and he's got this, maybe hopefully has maturity about him like Samuel had. Is that what we're supposed to see? Maybe we're hopeful (laughs) that something good's going to come out of this. So let's take a look. I think it would be great if we started at 1121. Having just seen Athaliah's death, 
she's done. We'll start at 1121 and we'll go just reading until 12.8 to start, I think. Okay, that sounds great. I do want to remind everybody that sometimes in the passage it says Jehoash, and other times it says Joash, yep. and it's the same person. So person. don't let that confuse you. It's very confusing. I yeah, we're reading. It's not like we're going to switch translations in between. The name switches in between. It just sometimes goes back and forth. And so we might even speculate a little bit about why, but um, what what maybe the author might be saying with the name change. But it's an interesting, uh, you know, thing to try and us in our modern thinking to try and incorporate why would they do that what kind of weirdness so yeah like gina said don't be thrown by that it will be part, part okay. of it jehoash was seven years old when he began to reign in the seventh year of jehu joash Jehoash, sorry. That's all right. Call him all kinds of things. Began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. And Jehoash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days, because Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people continued to sacrifice and make offerings on the high places. Jehoash said to the priests, All the money of the holy things that is brought into the house of the Lord, the money for which each man is assessed, the money from the assessment of persons, and the money that a man's heart prompts him to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priests take each from his donor, and let them repair the house wherever any need of repairs is discovered. But by the twenty-third year of King Jehoash, the priest had made no repairs on the house. Therefore, King Jehoash summoned Jehoiada, the priest, and the other priests, and said to them, Why are you not repairing the house? Now, therefore, take no more money from your donors, but hand it over for the repair of the house. So the priest agreed that they should take no more money from the, ha- from the people, and that they should not repair the house. So now that we've heard what's going to happen at the beginning of Joash's reign, we've got a couple of things I think that we would like to point out a little more clearly. Like it starts in 21, and we do hear about seven years old. Now, we don't want to let that get past us, just run past seven like it's nothing too quickly. The fact that he's coming, that this is all taking place in the seventh year, is probably an indication to the reader that there is something hopefully good to look forward to. This is a good thing. Seven years is a good thing. It's a sabbatical year. Yep. And we do see him reigning during a time of for peace, for yeah, for all practical purposes. We don't Seems hear like about a very peaceful yeah. time. Yeah, Joash is not dealing with enemies on every side or anything like that. So it does have a sense of almost returning to this Solomonic type era, right. Solomon era. I was going to say it sounds like Solomon in those ways. And um, then we're going to see he reigns forty more. years. Yeah, just like Solomon. Just did. like Solomon. 
And then we're going to see even more that there's another connection to Solomon as we go on here. We don't have to, I guess, bring it. Well, we are going to actually, we're entering into it here at least, sort of. Um, but it's going to get more pronounced, I think, as we yeah. keep reading. He is concerned so, about the temple. Yeah, Making and he's even repairs. bringing in stone cutters and masons and stuff to do it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah. that sounds very Solomonic. So we've got um, all of that kind of wrapped into this, which goes into the peace that you were just talking about, mm-hmm. the Sabbath of the seventh year, a peace year, um, and when he comes to the throne. So that's good. We're happy about this so far. So far, so good. Um, and so he's reigning now, and... It has started, like we had already said, talking about him as Jehoash, not Joash, which Joash was how we first heard of him. He was a baby. That's right. When he was just being introduced to us and he was a baby, we heard about him being Joash. Joash again at the end of this chapter. Yep. 11-2, but then not again until we get down to the end of 12. So his life is bracketed with him called Joash. But then in the middle, during this part that we're reading right here, through out here, we're going to hear about him being Joash. So, Jehoash. Oh, I'm sorry, Jehoash, right, Jehoash. And so he's got this, in Hebrew, just one letter. It's a, just a one letter difference. It's a hey, an H sound uh, that's there. And so, yep, that's all it is, just a breath sound letter. So like us saying the sound of the letter H. And uh, so we have to, we can question what that's about. And I think there might be something to that. But again, it's more, you know, it has to do with some speculation. Of course, you know, I don't know if we'd ever get to the complete bottom of it in a way that we could say absolutely. But the fact that it's whenever Sarah and Abraham have their name changed, they get a hay in it. And that's when they both, that's when they conceive, is uh, is when they get the hay in right. both of their names. Sarah gets an H on her name in Abraham, Abraham instead of Abram. Yep. And that happens immediately before they conceive. And so that's when the Spirit of God is powerfully at work in them to do this miraculous work mm-hmm. that transforms them. Well, Jehoash gets a hay in his name right here. So he starts as his he life without king. one. But as soon as he, yes, he becomes king and he gets this hay in his life. And then we hear verse 2. And Jehoash did, Jehoash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days because... as mm-hmm. the uh, Gives us a reason. It's the ESV. Yep. The ESV says, because Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Now, Jehoiada's, Jehoiada's name literally means knowledge of Yahweh. Knowledge of Yahweh. Yeah, so, that's really cool. so the knowledge of Yahweh becomes the instructor of Jehoiada, uh, of Jehoash. <laughs> and Jehoash, this is when he has the H in his name. Uh, Jehoiada becomes his instructor and he does well as long as and while and with the help of Jehoiada doing his instructing. So that may help us a little bit in understanding what's going on with the name change, because what Kings isn't gonna tell us, and we'll see later on, is there there will be some problems later on that we're not instructed about completely in Kings, but it might help us a little bit in understanding what's going on. Even then, it doesn't dot all the I's perfectly. Um, so we'll have to talk about it a little bit later. It's very hopeful 
We haven't heard about a king doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord in quite a while. That's right. So and so that's that. a hopeful thing. Yep. It is a little bit, I think, um, there's a little bit of a shadow there just because it says because yeah. Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. So it sounds like maybe it wasn't all from him. Right. Like he's, he's a child. He's doing what Jehoiada tells him. Yeah. And then the next sentence, nevertheless, the yeah. high places were not taken away. Yeah. And the people continued to sacrifice and make offerings on the high places. So. So there's still issues. Yeah. Still some issues. Which we could also say is, again, Solomon. Another Solomon, yeah. Yeah. He did not. Did a lot of good things. Flirted with the high places. And flirted the, with the whole, yes, the whole bad worship thing. He was still kind of flirting with that all the time. And it got worse as time went on. Right. Um, so we'll keep that in mind too. But then verse 4. We're happy to see this. This is a good thing. Um, he wants to repair the temple. He wants to repair the house of the Lord and get people, you know, focused on that and putting their hearts toward the Lord, getting the priests focused again on the importance of keeping the house of the Lord in order. And so this is the instruction to make it all nice, to right. keep it Well, when you get to well. verse 6, though, it's it's odd. I, that stopped me yep. um, because it says, but by the 23rd year, yep. the priest had made no repairs to the house. So right. he's 30 years old now. He started yes. out at 7. He's now 30, and they've been taking money for this all this time, and nothing has happened. That's crazy. Yes. Are you kidding me? 23 years and nothing's been done? Who's been in charge of this thing? And so Jehoash does, at that time, summon Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and say to him, why are you not repairing the house? Now, therefore, take no money from your donors, but hand it over to the rear of the house. Uh, and so the priests agreed in verse 8 that they should take no more money from the people and that they should not repair the house. Now, oh, that sounds confusing. Yes, it does. It sounds confusing. What it says, what it's trying to say is they agreed that it should not be their job to take money or to be over the money for the repair of the house. They shouldn't be repairing the house. They shouldn't be the ones in charge because of repairing the house. They weren't doing it. <laughs> That's right. So they were like, yeah, you're right. We don't need to be doing that. You are correct. We have proven that we're not good at that. So, so right there is where we stop. So he does want to do it right. And he is setting out to do it right. But he does. we do have these 23 years go by from his seventh uh, to his... 30th year where nothing really took place that should have been taking place. Now, him being 30 years old when he takes matters into his own hands in the in the getting the house in order yeah. thing is kind of an interesting thought because of course we do have some interesting 30s that come up in scripture when when men of God take things into their own hands. Happens with Joseph in Joseph's Perfect. life, happens with David Right. Uh, 30 years old, Ezekiel uh, also has a 30 year reference in his ministry, mm -hmm. and then of course we get and Jesus starts his ministry at 30 years old. Starts so. his ministry, yeah. So all of those are maybe um, important connections to this Joe, just typological connections, telling us again our Joash figure is 
a precursor to the one who will truly come and take matters into his own hands for the construction of his father's house and the re-establishment of his father's house, the repair of it, the true repair of it. Well, uh, and when Jesus did come to do that, Mm -hmm. uh, he had priests, uh, people in in the religious situations who should have been doing it, who weren't. Who weren't. Um, Who weren't putting effort into the true. Had to kind of fire him. Yep, had to fire him. That's exactly, I mean, I think you're exactly right. That's where we're pointing to. I think the typology points us there. So we should be reading through it and seeing that um, really, really strong, in my opinion. When you line all that up, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Okay, so now going then back uh, to the text, I think might be good. Um, Are you good? Did did we miss anything in there? If we didn't miss anything, I'm sure we did, but (laughs) we always will. (laughs) Yeah, there will be little little pieces. uh, Let's move on. Let's move on then. We'll go from verse 9 and we'll read just through 18. We'll leave that little last piece um, to read separately, but 9 through 18. Jehoiada, the priest, took a chest and bored a hole in the lid of it and set it beside the altar on the right side as one entered the house of the Lord. And the priest who guarded the threshold put in it all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. And whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, the king's secretary and the high priest came up and they bagged and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they would give the money that was weighed that was weighed out into the hands of the workmen who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. And they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to the masons and the stone cutters, as well as to buy timber and quarried stone for making repairs on the house of the Lord, and for any outlay for the repairs of the house. But There was not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, snuffers, bowls, trumpets, or any vessels of gold or of silver from the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, for that was given to the workmen who were repairing the house of the Lord with it. And they did not ask for an accounting from the men into whose hands they delivered the money to pay out to the workmen, for they dealt honestly. The money from the guilt offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. At that time, Haziel, king of Syria, went up and fought against Gath and took it. But when Haziel faced, uh, set his face to go up against Jerusalem, Jehoash, uh, king of Judah, took all the sacred gifts from Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, no, Ahaz- <laughs> Ahaziah, his fathers, the kings of Judah, had dedicated and his own sacred gifts and all the gold that was found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent these to Haziel king of Syria. Then Haziel went away from Jerusalem. Okay, so now we've got, uh, as we said, verse 9 and following in the first part of this doesn't, I mean, keep sounding good. I mean, this is how they're going to, this is the new plan for how to address the idea of making sure that the house of the Lord is completely repaired like it should be. 
Jehoiada just takes a chest, puts a lock on it, bores a hole in the top. Now all the money that comes in has to be put inside the chest. So no single person can reach in there and grab it and take it where he wants right. it or anything. Just a very simple fix, but you know, this is uh, it's a good fix. So when they can see that it's about full to the top, then they call for the treasurer from the King's, uh, King's palace, in other words, the King's secretary there in verse 10, and the high priest, and they together count and put the money away and uh, and then give it to the workmen. paying the workmen. Right. We had oversight over repairing the house of the Lord. And then those guys pay it out to the carpenters and the builders who work on the house of the Lord. And it does. It uses these words again, like we said, carpenters, builders, masons, stone cutters, uh, those who are buying timber that's quarried and repairing it, repairing for the house of the Lord and any outlay of the repairs. And so all of that sounds very, again, Solomonic, the type of people who are working, right. working, working on the house of the Lord to build it up and put it in order. This is a good thing. And these are extremely moral, upright people. They're not even having to ask for an account about the money because they take care of it so well. Uh, verse 15, they don't ask for an accounting. So, go ahead. I was just going to say, it. first of all, I'm going back just a little bit, just mm -hmm. for a second. Uh, while I was reading, I don't know if you noticed, it was difficult to read because it's... Um, very repetitive. It keeps talking about mm -hmm. the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord, mm -hmm. the house of the Lord, yeah. or the house, the house, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the clues we have too, because we're seeing that that is the main emphasis, emphasis of his reign. Yeah. And yeah. which was the same with Solomon. But right. Solomon had asked God for wisdom. And so he, that seems to show in the way he managed the building of the temple and apparently uh, Jehoash does not have that same wisdom because he wasn't getting these priests to do what they were supposed to do before now so now it, they seem to be getting it back on track yes um, it feels like that they're having to um, kind of protect the money from maybe some money grabbing priests um, but yes, there's yeah, these faithful right. workers that are contrasted with that. They're actually doing the work and so it's honest that they don't have to give an accounting. And, yes. But it, right. Right. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Um, and then yeah. I also was going to say here, I, I might not have noticed this before, but um, they didn't make any of the basins of silver snuffers, bowls, trumpets, or any vessels of gold or silver, yeah. which means that they weren't bringing it back to its former glory when Solomon built it. Well, because we remember how gold and silver overlaid everything. Sure. You're just making the point that that was a fine thing here because they're giving that money to the workmen for repairing the house, the, the gold and the silver in verse 14. I think it may be an okay thing that they're saying for that money was that for that, in other words, the silver and the gold yeah, was given to the workmen who were in the house. And we know that they're doing it, doing it the right way. Um, 
but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I just think I'm not so sure they mean for us to take that. But of course, you can't always tell. Sometimes it's subtle. You can't always tell exactly. Are they saying that's a little it bit? It does seem like this paragraph here is kind of telling us things are in order. They're getting things in order again. Seems like it, yeah. We, we should feel good. It feels like after we're as we're reading this paragraph that things are good. Um, typologically it makes me wonder again and this may be a stretch and you can tell me if it is feel free um the fact that the priests don't use the money well but the common man your wor everyday worker is very very trustworthy in his building of the house and so the money is put in his hands because he doesn't require people to be watched over him constantly like these priests do uh, is there an illusion in that too? Those who should be, like we said before, spiritually building up God's house in Jesus's day, Sadducees, the chief priests, but are not doing well right. versus the builders of the house, right. the Pauls and the Peters and the, the very common low level, these fishermen and tip makers who have more integrity and are building God's house, quote, building God's house in the way it needs to be built. Is the, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if there's an allusion to that, but it wouldn't surprise me. It's just the kind of thing that might be there hidden in the text. See that. And then we get Haziel, king of Syria, who yes. we've heard from before. In mm -hmm. fact, he is the king that was anointed. That's right by Elisha, Elisha right? right which was a weird thing mm -hmm. to have a Syrian king yes anointed by an Israelite prophet, prophet. yeah weird um, but we're hearing from him again here he is he's fighting against Gath and then it's I think it's interesting that it says he set his face to go up against Jerusalem yes so he's setting his sights on that's right. God's people. God's people. The yep, capital city of God's people. So he took a Philistine city. Great. Fine. Who cares? Kind of. But now he's set his sights on God's people and he's coming into this army. But the sad thing is what Jehoash does. Right. Because he, here's where we'll see a big difference in what Solomon had said and, and right. what Joash, Jehoash is going to do. Yeah. Yeah, so Jehoash, this is the last name. Last time it's going to use Jehoash in this section is right here in That's verse 18. True. So it's the only time used in this paragraph. So it's the last time and it gets used and it talks about him taking the sacred gifts, the sacred gifts that Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, his fathers, the kings of Judah, had dedicated and his own sacred gifts so they've been dedicated to yahweh that's the point and all the gold that was found in the treasuries of the house of the lord and the king's house now this is the gold that's been being collected for the repairs of the house of the lord that would but include now, that he's taking it out yep that's right taking it out and sending these to haziel king of syria and then haziel went away from jerusalem so, so he bribed Haziel don't come at us I'll pay you tribute if you yeah. don't bring your army and it way. worked and it does it <laughs> works but it, obviously it's very problematic in the sense of where is his heart right now right well as if, I mean Solomon 
prayed for deliverance for anyone who prayed toward the temple. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Joash is plundering the temple rather yes. than praying toward it. He's not trusting in the Lord's protection. He is doing this man's way to keep your enemies from right. away from you, which is money or whatever you need to do to keep money or bad alliances or whatever. And he's choosing money. You're going to bribe him. Stay away. It's a very worldly fix. Very worldly fix. Plundering the very problem. temple that he spent his whole reign trying to rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. Doing it's the very crazy. thing that's opposite of all the time he spent trying to do this other now he's doing the opposite. And so we're seeing at the end of his life that he's starting to make bad decisions. What Kings does not tell us is what we find out in Chronicles that really between verse 16 and 17, that space between 16 and 17, if you have a space in your Bible, I don't know. But right in there, between 16 and 17, that's when it would fit from 2 Chronicles 24, 15 through 27, if we read about Joash, Jehoash over there, we would find that the death of Jehoiada probably takes place right there between mm. 16 and 17. And that makes perfect sense. Yep, it things. does. This is when he stop accent, stops acting like the king that right. we have come to expect because to do his, good things. His, uh, his best advisor yeah. is knowledge of the Lord figure, knowledge of Yahweh figure has now left the scene. And, and in the, the topological sense, the figure that represents the Holy Spirit. I yes, think I, think so. I think he does. Is yes. that end. He's gone. Yes. And so then Jehoash really goes off the rails. Here. Yes. And like we said, this is the last Fear use interest. of his name, Jehoash, in verse 18. And the very next time we're going to see it, He's not going to have the H in there anymore. That, again, interesting. Very, the very power of God on the, on Abraham and Sarah right before they had the baby was kind of sh in a, in a weird way shown us through that H, uh, shown us through the hay. And so here has that power, kind of now because of what he did whenever he made this deal with Hazael, has it kind of left him now? So that we at the end of his life, right here in nineteen through twenty one, we're seeing. The H isn't there anymore. The power of God to do miraculous things isn't there anymore. Right. Uh, and I don't know, something I read said that in his later life, I didn't go back and read the Second Chronicles um, no. passage again yep. this time, but um, that it kind of sounded like he yep. kind of got paranoid and crazy a little bit. You really go a lot further off. He goes even further off the rails than we're seeing here. This doesn't, this isn't even, actually this isn't that close. I mean, you go over to Chronicles and he's killing God's prophets. He's ordering okay. the death of God's prophets. Okay. That's what I thought I remembered. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we just get a little glimpse of it here. Yeah. A little hint. Yeah, it's just a hint. But yeah. Chronicles will tell us a lot more. Yeah. So be sure and read that parallel passage in 24. Second Chronicles 24, 15 I think it just shows so when our Holy Spirit, when we're not uh, filled with the Spirit, we are so much more susceptible to fear and paranoia and um, all of those things taking over. We start thinking yeah. differently. Our minds aren't right anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly a picture we're getting here. I agree. So.
let's uh let's do finish this just uh before we end uh, let's get these last three verses and say maybe one or two quick things about them before we close today The rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? His servants arose and made a conspiracy and struck down Joash in the house of Milo on the way that goes down to Silla. It was Josachar, the son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomar, his servants, who struck him down so that he died. And they buried him with his fathers in the city of David and Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Hmm. Not much to end here with except for this is how bad kings so often meet their demise. Well, we have a lot of conspiracies like that in the northern kingdom. That's right. But this is the, I think, the only one. one? At least the first time um, that it happens to a king of Judah. Yeah, at least the first time. Uh, and, and yeah, so we've been reading about it, read about it often, these uh, conspiracies to kill kings. But like you're saying, great point. This is the first time we've seen it in the South. So are we? Are, what are we supposed to take from it? Did he get way off the road, so far off the rails that it's no sounds wonder like, we see things ending like this? Sounds like his people were so miserable mm-hmm. under his reign that yes. they conspired to get rid of him. I mean, yes. these two guys who conspired to do it. Right aren't the ones who take over they don't they're not like making a play for the throne they put his son on the throne but they need to be rid of him it's happening now it's happening so much and yes done by somebody who's not making a play for the throne the his son in the line of David will continue to be on the throne and part of the the dynasty will continue so we're happy about that because at least we're seeing the line of david's going to continue and that's what we're hopeful for as people who would have lived at that time but still for the king to have gotten that far off base and if you again if you you knew the history and if you had understood about what he was doing all at the time which we see in second second chronicles You've known that he had gone way far away from where he started, and now he's even killing God's prophets. And so somebody rises up here and does him in. He's not that sweet little seven-year-old boy that uh, was living in the house of the Lord. And had to have he, who had so much hope surrounding him, and we did feel so good about him for so long. Uh, and yet, uh, the end of his life, end of his reign, doesn't end like the beginning. So we're looking, so we're still looking for our typological picture to come true. The the king who will repair the house of the Lord, but then whose heart will never go astray. He will not like Solomon, not like Joash, but one who will not only grow up in God's presence, repair the house of the Lord, but then stay true for all time. So we're looking for that king. uh, Rebuild the temple. Not... Not the uh, maybe physical temple so much as yeah the one that is Jesus Himself yeah correct people. so 
So we will keep watching uh, as our next story, though, we're going to get right back into Israel. We're going to move yeah, out of Judah and get right back into Israel, north. the northern kingdom. Uh, and then we'll have some very, I think, we're going to see some really interesting stuff in the next uh, next little section, I think. So we'll keep our eyes open. Uh, glad that y'all could join us. Really always good to get back into Kings and be talking with you guys. Hopefully y'all are enjoying this. And we will be back in a few days to talk to you more about Second Kings chapter 13. God bless everybody. Mm-hmm.